what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. Hello, weary internet travelers, and welcome once again to the Before and After Show. I'm still your host, MJ Smith, and if you haven't listened to the show before, here's a breakdown of how it works. Each week, I take a film that is both in theaters and has been out for a while, not the same film, two separate films, and I have not seen either one of the films. I give you my expectations for the film, let you know what I think I'm going to think about the film, and then... Uh, I come back the following week having seen the film with a full review and my thoughts on whether or not it lived up to my expectations. And this week is an after episode. So if you haven't listened to this episode, you don't have to have listened to the last episode, though I would appreciate it if you would. Um, Go back and listen to that. It's episode 24, I believe, of the show. Um, On that episode, I was joined by my guest, Miss Kristen Falls, and I'm joined once again by her as she said hi. Sorry. And then apologized for introducing herself. Oh, for well. some reason. Well, because I interrupted you. Oh, welcome back. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. Good. Um, before we get into talking about the movies we are talking about, um, have you watched anything this week? Well... <laughs> Once again, I feel like I'm just your weird TV show person. Um, I think I just like weird things because they're... I like shows that are definitely outside of reality because they you like to escape from reality. Okay. And so I've been watching a few episodes of Fringe, the mm-hmm. first season. It's cool. Do you like it, or at this point, do you feel like you're just sticking with it to stick with it, or... I want to see what happens. There's some really cool people. I don't know what the guy's name is that I told you he was in it last night. He was in the movie, the... The trailer for The Man from U.N.C.L.E. Yes. Yes. I don't know what his name is. I caught a glimpse of him. I didn't actually see him when you told me who he was. Um, dang it. I wish I knew. He's really good. I've seen him in other things. Okay. I'm bad at names. <clears throat> um, he's in it. The guy who... Never mind. I'm not going to try to name who's in it. Okay. I'm bad at that. Um, but definitely John Noble is in it. Is that the old guy? Yes. Okay. He's super nice. He was Denethor from The Lord of the Rings. I've actually met him because he was Denethor from Lord of the Rings. He was Denethor in Lord of the Rings? Yes. Yes, he was. <laughs> He plays a very good crazy person. Yep. I find it appropriate that a man named John Noble is a scientist on that show. As because of the... Periodic table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, he's a very nice person in real life, too. You know, we went to a Blu-ray... The, when The Lord of the Rings came out on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. um, they had a release for it at Best Buy in, like, Culver City or something. Oh, cool. And we went to it, and... We stood in line to see 
uh, him and the guy who was in the Sauron suit, which I regrettably forget his name. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they were both there, and he was super sweet, which was really cool because they were just sitting there signing things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because if you you stood in line and you got something signed, and he called me dear, and it was nice. Yeah. Is he British? I don't think so. Oh, okay. He could... uh, Don't ask me things about people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. I don't. I just don't know. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Nice. Um, so you're going to continue it? I know you're kind of near the end of the first season. Yeah, it's like within a couple episodes. Right. Right. So do you think you're going to stick through all five or six seasons, however long it is? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that was a show that I tried watching the first few episodes of, and I was like, this is boring, and then stopped watching it. Yeah, I mean, it's not, but that's okay. <laughs> um, also, I found his performance a little too kooky. Listen, he gets better, and there's actually an episode... Spoilers, I guess. There's actually an episode where they have to go back into the... He has to go back specifically into the Institute to interview someone in there that he used to know. Mm-hmm. And he gets trapped in there because they're like, you're unfit still, because I don't know why, but they still want him in there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he, it takes him a little while to recover from that. So they they give him drugs and stuff that make him like that. Got it. Um, so he is better when he's, I mean, he's not all the way better, mm-hmm. but he's better when he's not on drugs and stuff. I, I mean, see. he's on drugs, but his own drugs. Right. Stop it. <clears throat> um, have you watched anything else this week at all? Um, yes, we just watched something, but I think you should talk about it. Oh, yeah. I've talked about it on the show before. Um, I, we just finished an episode of Last Man on Earth with Will Forte. We're a few weeks behind. Well, the series, the season is over now. Yeah. Um, but we are still catching up. I like this episode a lot um, that we just watched. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good show. It kind of sags in the middle really bad yeah but um i like the characters all well enough and i think it's well acted i just think they kind of ran out of plot ideas to get i think i feel like they knew where to start and where to end but they didn't know how to get there and they had to hit a certain episode amount as well and so they just kind of padded the middle of it that to, makes sense. Yeah, that's that's the vibe I get from it. So, I don't know. Um, it, it, it has reinvigorated my interest in finishing the season. Yeah. Um, whereas before I was like, we could probably give up on this and I wouldn't care that much. But this last episode we watched, I, I enjoyed. Um, I like Will Forte as like a person. Like, he was, he's been yeah. on a few podcasts and he seems like a really smart, cool guy. Good guy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we still need to watch Nebraska. Oh my goodness, we never did watch that. No, and it has Will Forte, who's great, and Bruce Dern, who is also great. I'll have to take your word on that. Bruce Dern is fantastic. He, if you watch any, like, 70s movies with Bruce Dern in it, he looks like 70s Christian Bale. Interesting. And, like, kind of acts the same way. I don't know. I feel like Christian Bale's acting style is very similar to Bruce Dern's. Bruce Dern, Bruce Dern has an interesting story in that he never got a ton of work because one of his first roles was in a John Wayne movie called The Cowboys. Yeah. And it was this John Wayne movie where he 
John Wayne took a group of sort of uh, delinquent boys and taught them how to be cowboys. Okay. And then Bruce Dern kills John Wayne and the cowboys that he has trained exact revenge on Bruce Dern's character and kill him back. But right. he's the only person to have killed uh, John Wayne on film and people Whoa. were mad. <laughs> and so he didn't get work because people didn't want to see him because they hated him because he's the man who killed John Wayne. Wow. Yep. So is that... The only thing that you've watched this week? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty busy lately. So um, after a short break uh, with a sweet jam from Mr. Corey Tyndall, we will be back to talk about our two movies that we watched this week. Fratelli's music for those of you who watch Community. For those of you that don't, start watching Community. Um, Hey, yeah, yeah, we're a little bit hypocritical about that statement, aren't we? We started watching Community, we just haven't started watching the new season of Community. Yeah, because it's hard to watch. It is. Why? Come on, Yahoo Screen. Get your ish together. Well, it's summer movie season, and that means big, dumb, loud summer blockbusters. Yes. And this week we are taking what I think might be the biggest, loudest, dumbest summer blockbuster and discussing it, as well as a quiet, dumb movie that quiet. was not a blockbuster. Sorry, I have a cat in my lap if you hear jingling. Um, not of my own will. It's true. You didn't just grab a cat and be like, hey, <laughs> this is happening now. Um, so we discussed two films starring... Dwayne quotes The Rock Johnson, or as how everyone refers to him, The Rock. The Rock. And uh, we we kind of reached back into his filmography and pulled out a little weird gem of a film. Gem is an interesting term. <laughs> yep. Uh, called Southland Tales. Now, if you haven't listened to the show prior, uh, the before show, for these sets of films... Uh, Southland Tales is a sci-fi drama action But also kind of an allegory. Starring literally everyone. Um, and and it's from the, the man who directed uh, Donnie Darko. Yes. No, not Donnie. Nope. No. Hang on. It's from the man who directed Donnie Darko. Not Donnie Darko. Dark Owl. I said Dark Owl. Oh, I didn't even notice. It's a film from the man who directed Donnie Darko, Richard Kelly. Now, you haven't seen Donnie Darko. No. I have, and I hate that movie. Okay. Because it doesn't make any sense. Now, for all the sense that Donnie Darko doesn't make, Southland Tales doesn't make sense tenfold from it. Okay. I have no reference for that. Yes. So, the film is pretty widely panned critically, and after having watched it, I would say for good reason. Okay. Um, what do the good reviews say about it? About Southland Tales? Yes. That it's very good political stuff. So, it is very political. Doesn't mean it's very good, but yes, it is very political. Um, I mean, if you are leaning in the way that... The thing is, when this movie was made, there were obviously strong feelings. There was a lot of 
conservative action going down at mm-hmm. that point in time. And I think that if you were on the more li- well, if you were on the extreme liberal side of things, this movie is for you. Yeah. Um, so so let's try to break down this plot a little bit. Okay. The story follows someone who does something and then other things happen and then it's over? No. <laughs> no, not quite. So The Rock stars as a an action film star who is married to the president... No, to a no. presidential candidate's daughter. No, to a senator's daughter. Who is a pres- presidential hopeful. Okay. Got it. Yes. I forgot about that. Yep. Um, he's he's going to be running for president in the upcoming election. Okay. Uh, in, in the 2008 election. So, um, yes. Yeah. And in the meantime, the Patriot Act has escalated to crazy levels yeah, since like, its implementation in 2001 or two. Yeah, like overseer military men with guns who, when you do something wrong, shoot you on the spot. Yes. Um, and... They, they, they have instituted this sort of government spying program called... Something. U.S. Ident, I believe. Um, and, and The Rock stars as this action film star who kind of washes up on the beach and has amnesia. He's been missing for a while. And he believes Sarah Michelle Gellar is his wife and she's a porn star with a talk show and a reality show who's trying to become like the queen of all media and there's like a script that she has written that has predicted all of these things no they wrote the script together did they they did okay my understanding is that they were tricking him into thinking he wrote the script no, because he knew everything that was in it when he was talking to the people that were do, trying to do experiments or whatever on mm-hmm. him. They were saying, we read your script. And he's like, then they started mentioning things about it. And he's like, how did you know that? That's right. So so he his memory is kind of fuzzy yes. when, when he, he washes up on the beach. And, and so he does mistake this porn star that he co-wrote the script with no, for his wife. No, he doesn't mistake her for his wife because he tells the cop that he's not married. Oh. Yes. Okay. She, he just, she has convinced him that she's going to help him, and she has helped him thus far by helping him write the script. Got it. This uh, movie is very confusing for any of you who are wondering why we're kind of uh, debating on the stuff that actually happened in the Yeah, movie. why we're meandering through this is because this movie makes no sense. Yes. At all. And it's crazy. So, in the midst of all this, there's an there's a an uprising being planned by a an extreme liberal, uh, basically terrorist organization. Yeah, I mean, it's the the democracy in the United States has become way more of a dictatorship than it, anything else, and so it's really under the facade of a democracy. And so, obviously, historically even, with dictatorships, there always come these groups that uh, have to be underground that start a revolution. And I guess they'd be considered terrorists, but they were only, they were not trying to terrorize the people. Right. Is what I would say. They were just trying to overthrow the government. Right. Um, yeah, so they're, they're basically trying to start this revolution, 
and they are using the rock as as a pawn in their game um but their 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 anchor is this um policeman who also has amnesia also has amnesia but he's got a twin brother that you kind of find out which we'll get to in a second so he's got a twin brother, but he doesn't really remember having a twin brother or much of anything. And so they use him to sort of draw the rock into their conspiracy. And their whole thing is that they want it to look like the rock has caught a policeman on camera shooting an interracial couple. Yeah, so they're setting this, this guy up who, doesn't, who has amnesia as a fake cop who is going to quote-unquote shoot a couple who have those what are they called? Squibs. Squibs in them and he's make he's researching for his film so he's going to be filming it and then they're all going to get on a camera and they're going to show it to the world. Right. So then what happens is John Lovitz shows up <laughs> and he's actually a racist cop that actually shoots this fake interracial couple Played by Amy Poehler, and I don't know who plays the man, but Amy Poehler is one of them. And so they get shot in the head for realsies, and then um, the the main terrorist people set off the squibs, but it's too little too late. They have already died. So actual murders take place. Yeah. And the rest of the film is sort of a chase for this videotape. Yeah. Um, because the, the, these murders were caught on film. Yes, but actually the video that they're actually chasing, no one knows about this video except for the terrorist group. Right. The other people are chasing down footage that's that... What is her name? Kind of makes it look like Sarah Michelle Gellar... Is with... is it, They're kissing. Her and right. the Rock are kissing. Right. And so... It looks like he's cheating on his yeah. wife, who was played by Mandy Moore. Yep. For some reason. Um, now, while all this is going down, there's this, like, shady military operation that supplies drugs to people. Under the guise of clean energy? Yes. Led by Wallace Shawn, um, also known as... The guy from Princess Bride. The guy Bride. from Princess Bride and the voice of Rex from... Um, Toy Story. <laughs> and he is crazy in this movie, and I loved his character a lot, actually. He's a super over-the-top, like, tech guy, and he plays it perfectly. But he is using this company as a front to basically bring about the apocalypse? Um, I mean, so the thing is, no... But also, like, there are undertones. This whole thing is trying to be an allegory for the apocalypse. Right. The biblical apocalypse. Yes. The biblical apocalypse. In this situation, they're using the cop that has a twin brother and the rock as the biblical prophets who are supposed to show up in the apocalypse. Yes. However, they also use a double allegory with that cop because he ends up being Jesus also. Yes. Um... So many events come to pass, and it, it turns out that the reason why The Rock and the cop. the cop have amnesia is because they are clones, not clones, but they're yeah. alternate dimension 
versions of themselves. Yes, but you never figure out if the rock... The rock is... That's not his alternate... We don't know if that's his alternate dimension self or not. Right. That was never made clear. With the cop... With the cop... Mm-hmm. Both of them are still alive. That's his twin brother. Spoilers. Right. Um. So we're not sure which is which ever. Right. So they're not actually twin brothers. That's just an alternate dimension version. They are the same soul within the same universe. Yes. Yes. Walking which is what makes him the Messiah. Apparently. Um. There's sort of a godhead uh, allegory in there, but it's only a twofold godhead, so it kind of falls apart. As does most of this movie. Yeah, if this is confusing, trust me, we're trying to be as concise and clear as possible. This movie's two hours and 25 minutes long. Yeah. And there's a version that's 40 minutes longer out there. And it doesn't make a lick of sense to me at all. Can I say the ending? Because I feel like there's no way to explain this movie really any further. Right. The ending is everyone dies and then the two cops that are the same person touch each other and then they become Jesus. But also the rock is Jesus before he dies. Oh, yeah. He's the death of Christ, I guess. Yeah. Because he dies. Yes, he is Christ's death and the twin brothers are Christ's resurrection. Okay. And also second coming. Yes. Maybe it's because there are two of them. Maybe. Um... So they touch each other, the light, there's light everywhere. Right. The so, ice cream truck they're in, I'm not going to explain that, starts floating in the air. Right. The ice cream truck that was front for a black market arms dealer. Yes. Go figure. So, now that we've gotten that out of our systems, what did you think about this movie? Um, <laughs> uh... It wasn't, I wasn't nearly as hateful of it as I thought I was going to be, mm-hmm. because it was so ridiculous that I highly enjoyed some stuff in it. Right. Um, as in a scene that I'm sure you're going to soon describe. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about that in a sec. Um, and I, it was, the only problem I really had with it, I think that it would have been fine. I could have accepted it for its craziness if it wasn't so long. Okay. I got bored in the middle of it, and then it got me back mm-hmm. with the scene you're going to describe. Yes. But, like, there are a couple parts that, like, I was just like, I'm not, it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, this movie is bloated, to say the least. Um, I mean, it feels like Richard Kelly took everything he wanted to say and threw it at the wall to see what would stick. And uh, the answer was none of it, but he tried all of it. Yeah. And it is overlong, it's bloated, it's kind of poorly acted on a lot of people's parts. Except for The Rock, I found him very entertaining. Yeah. He was, he was like neurotic and nervous and like kind of shy. And he was smaller than we've ever seen him. And I liked his performance, actually. Yeah. I thought he was good in it. Um, who else did you think have a good, had a good performance? So, I think this film can be summed up in one scene. Because for me, this is the, what the film ended up ultimately being about. Because it was the only scene in the film where I actually gave a crap. <laughs> so what happens is the aforementioned uh, shadow agency that is an energy company that is actually experimenting on drugs with people is supplying this sort of paramilitary group who watches over the seaside of Los Angeles with big... 
rifles, and if people get unruly, they shoot them. Yeah. They they supply them with drugs, and then um, they those guys sort of sell it out to the the rich people, the people who know about it. Yeah, to people who use this drug. So there's this new user of the drug who shows up to um, get drugs. He's never done this before, but he has just gotten drafted as the draft has been reinstated. Yeah. And um, he shows up to the sort of... uh, uh, Looks like a liquor store. It's an arcade. arcade. Yeah. But he shows up to sort of the leader of this paramilitary group. um, Or at least the leader of the grunts of this paramilitary paramilitary group yeah and who is that uh played by none other than a very uh ramen haired (laughs) justin timberlake oh yeah so what proceeds to happen is justin timberlake supplies this guy with drugs and he injects it into his neck in his own neck in his in his own neck he takes separate drugs and does that yeah um and this man's fever dream <laughs> is... Oh no, you get to say this. This is your meaning of the entire movie, remember? Yes. So, the film switches to this hallucination that this guy has while he's on drugs. And the hallucination is Justin Timberlake in the same arcade that, that he purchased the drugs in. Lip syncing. While a bunch of nurses sort of dance around, old-timey-looking nurses at mm-hmm. that. Which is already strange. But the song that they have chosen for him to have lip-synced to is the last third of the song All These Things That I've Done by The Killers. Yeah. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the song... The, the last third of the song begins with uh, this repeated phrase that says, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. And it's hands down the best part of the song. It's the part where the song starts to really rock out because it sort of builds into this big sort of epic ending. And it has like a gospel choir. And yeah, stuff. yeah. And it's sweet. And so the scene is him singing the rest of the song from that point forward in this arcade, dumping beer on his head, just being a general weirdo. But it's just... Such a strange marriage of imagery and music and performer. And it was... Wow. So in my brain, this is where credits started rolling for me. This entire film was just... uh, How do we get Justin Timberlake to lip sync to all these things that I've done by The Killers? Okay. The movie goes on for like an hour and a half after that. Yeah. But I didn't care. So... So, do you have any, like, overall thoughts besides that? Yeah, I mean, overall, I called it uh, Bush-era paranoia liberal propaganda bullcrap. Because that's all it was. Like, you know, not to get super political on the show, but it very much was a super biased film. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it was sort of flavor of the month to rag on Bush and and that administration at the time. Um, I mean, this is the time that... You saw people wearing Not My President shirts and American Idiot by Green Day was huge and and stuff like that. And I'm not necessarily knocking that. Like, it's your right as an American to protest. American Idiot is, like, my favorite album of all time. Mm -hmm. And it's very anti-Bush. This movie's just so heavy-handed in its message that it was obnoxious. I just don't like 
I don't like it when something is pushing an agenda on me. And it didn't help that this movie is artistically bankrupt. Um, as well. You know, it, it, American Idiot by Green Day does push an agenda on you. It's a very anti-war album. It's about characters who go to war and are go die or lose limbs or, or are just changed by what Green Day perceives as like things that Bush caused. But that album is great. And if you think it's artistically bankrupt, you're wrong. But but I, this movie just has nothing going for it. Even likable people like The Rock, who's good in it. Yeah. I feel like he might only be good in it because he's so likable. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, uh, if you're a very extreme liberal, this is for you. And I'm leaning towards some liberal feelings, but that it's very, very extreme. You just have to understand that it's the most extreme that you could get. And it's it's a reaction to what is portrayed as very extreme conservatism, like militant conservatism conservativism sure. I can say words mm-hmm. yeah it, it, I don't know it's just so it just slaps you across the face with its its message like you know might as well anytime something that is extremely ham-fisted social commentary comes on screen there might as well be a big border around the screen that says get it get it get it get it and big text around it mm-hmm. it wouldn't be out of place in a film this weird mm-hmm. um sherry o'terry is in this film from saturday night live kevin smith in heavy makeup to the point where i didn't realize that was him mm-hmm. is in this film it's just packed with all kinds of things that don't make a lot of sense um do you have any overall feelings about it i mean i already said that it's it's crazy, and sometimes I can get down with that, but it was just too much and yeah. too long. Yeah. South End Tales is not a good movie at all. <laughs> and now I own it on DVD. Yay! Um, so, the reason we chose to do the film South End Tales, uh, aside from the fact that we were originally going to do the rundown, but you had already seen it, Sorry. is this past weekend there was a film with The Rock in it that was not a Fast and Furious film that came out. And we went to see that. And that film is San Andreas. Yes. Now, San Andreas is a disaster film. And it is... It follows this man who works search and rescue for the Los Angeles Fire Department. And his daughter is stranded in San Francisco. And his estra- him and his estranged wife go to save her in San Francisco. While there's a massive earthquake happening... Um, across the entirety of the San Andreas fault line. And that's kind of it as far as story goes. Um, yeah. um I mean the they're all in different places and they get their family together and save her, but save their family. Yep. Um there's also a subplot with a Caltech scientist who has been able to predict uh earthquakes but um kind of not in time but also kind of in time um to warn everyone about this the quote big one as as it were. And it's a very straightforward disaster film. Like, there's there's not a lot to talk about in terms of story here. Yeah. Because it's not really a story movie. It's not even really a character movie. It's a visual film. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, and and the, the really the point of this film is just to put destruction on a grand scale on a big screen with cool visuals and loud sounds. Yeah. And that's about it. Um, so... 
headed into this, our expectations were both very different. Mm -hmm. Um, You were expecting to like it very much um, because I think you like disaster movies and also you like The Rock a lot. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to like it very much because it looked terrible. And I do like The Rock a lot, but also this movie looked terrible to me. Okay. So after we've seen it, what is it, where does it land for you? Well, I did enjoy it, um, and The Rock was very enjoyable. I would like him to be my dad, because um, he seems like a cool dad. I feel like he'd be a great dad. <laughs> and uh, also, I mentioned that I was worried about it hitting too close to home, because we actually have the San Andreas Fault, and Bakersfield is in that movie. Um, but honestly, the science behind it was so unbelievable to me that it was fine. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, this probably can't happen. So, yeah. uh, that's okay. And especially not on destruction of the scale. Cause it was just destruction of the largest scale they could imagine. Um, so I think that it, it was unbelievable enough to where I felt comfortable enjoying the destruction of entire Californian cities. Yeah. Um, Namely, San Francisco, which has become sort of a punching bag recently. People have gotten over New York and have moved over to San Francisco, I feel like. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I really liked this movie a lot. (laughs) I did not think I was going to like this movie at all, and it was extremely entertaining. Oh, yeah. Um, And that was all it was. Uh, This movie, you know, by and large is also artistically bankrupt, but it kind of knows it. And also it kind of isn't because... It's a it's a feat of visual effects, of heavily CGI'd visual effects. Like Mad Max is a feat of um, practical visual effects and the things you can accomplish with that. This is a case for CGI. Yeah. Um, you know, we see destruction on this huge scale in this film. And, you know, sort of when there's wide shots of people in the foreground and then the destruction happening in the background, it looks a little green screeny and not that great. Mm. But all the close-up stuff looks incredible. Um, they did a really good job with these visual effects, and I actually kind of see this movie ending up being the Oscar-nominated San Andreas really? for Best Visual Effects. Oh, okay. Yes. I can, I can get down with that. It, yeah. uh, it was very... I was, <laughs> a couple times throughout the movie, I was like, I don't think I should be enjoying Destruction this much. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing is like a bunch of people die. So many people die. So many people die in full view of the camera, not in I a gory a way, but a lot of people start dying pretty quickly. I was a little bit uh, surprised by the amount of people who were smashed. It, yeah, it it was a little bit jump scary for me just because I don't like people getting smashed. But you know, and and it, that's been a pretty divisive topic in the reviews. Um, some people are fine with it. Some people are. Not fine with it. Um, I think it's realistic. I do think it's realistic, and I'm fine with it because it's not a documentary. Yeah. Um, that being said, we are very, you know, sensitive to the things that happened in Nepal recently, and, and it, that film wasn't a documentary, and it, and it did show off, you know, people dying in earthquakes as entertainment, and yeah. that happened in a very real sense recently. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the destruction is so over the top in this one. You know, Nepal looks it, it looks horrendous right now, but this is just so much bigger yeah, than anything that happens that could happen. That that the suspension of disbelief that you already have to apply to that can apply to 
watching these people get crushed by CGI rocks. Yeah. The rock is just so likable. He's just so likable. And he's got like a couple emotional beats in this movie where I didn't necessarily feel anything or I wasn't moved by them. But he did a good enough job to where I was like, good job, The Rock. Like, you emoted very well. Who plays his wife? Carla Gugino? Or Gugino? I don't really know how to pronounce her last name. Okay, well, Carla, right? Mm -hmm. Him and Carla have a very good kind of uh, acting situation going on. I liked it a lot, and I think that he makes me believe in that movie that he would be a good dad and a good husband. Yes. Yeah, Um, and I think that's what this movie has above most disaster movies. It has very likable characters. Very likable characters. So I'm willing to put aside the horrendous geology that uh, Paul Giamatti is spitting out because he makes you buy into it. Yeah. His performance is so good in this movie that he makes you buy into it. I like Paul Giamatti a lot anyway. And he does do... My favorite version of Paul Giamatti in this, which is Paul Giamatti overacting as much as possible. But this movie is over everything as much as possible. And it knows it. And I think that's what makes this film so enjoyable, is it knows exactly what it is. It doesn't try to be anything different. And that's all. That's all it needs. It just needs to be entertaining for two hours. It's very well paced. It's exciting. It looks great. It's just a good movie. Yeah. You're not going to get anything out of it. You know, yeah. it's it's a popcorn movie. Not only is it a good movie to eat popcorn to, it is like brain popcorn. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's very empty. It's a very empty movie, and that's fine. It's the season for very empty movies. Yeah, and all the kids are off school and don't want to think about stuff. Yeah, this is the perfect uh, end of school year movie. I think you know, you just shut your brain down and watch stuff happen, and it's it looks cool, and the rock is extremely likable, and then you leave, and that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, the reviews are calling it very cliched. Well, yeah, it's a disaster movie. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and that's that's really something I want to address in this episode is I'm extremely tired of the the reviews I read and the film criticism I read not being able to meet the things that's, that they're watching halfway. This is a movie you have to meet halfway. It presents itself as, hey, I'm this. You have to make the leap to go, am I on board with this or not? And you should because this fits a very specific type of film. This fits the disaster film. The disaster film is very cliched. There's not a lot going on in those films besides big destruction on a large scale. And that's what it serves to do. It doesn't serve to give you very like heartfelt beats or heartfelt emotions or whatever. It does a little bit. It, it does. does do it bit. does. And it's not like super heartstring tuggy, but it, it, it serves as like to round out the characters very yeah. well. And, you know, sometimes it's poorly done. Like, spoilers a little bit. You find out that they have a daughter who died, yeah. and the way you find out is very poorly handled. Mm-hmm. But this movie's so dumb that you're just like, whatever, movie. <laughs> and there's so many things like that where you're just like, whatever, movie. You're fine. Like, the helicopter. I was getting ready to ask, like, how far does a helicopter go? Um, I'm still going to go with an infinite amount as long as the rock is flying it. Except, while he was flying it at the beginning, they were like, uh, we're running out of fuel in five minutes. And then he flies it all the way to Bakersfield. 
Yeah, but that's after they land and fix the helicopter and refuel. Yes. Um, oh, so I want to talk about this opening sequence for, for a second. Okay. So this film opens on a woman in a jeep that is stuck on a cliff and, and the rock and crew have to save her and his crew doesn't... His crew member who is supposed to be saving her gets pinned underneath the, the jeep that she was driving and so the rock has to go down himself and save her and they're in a tight spot with a very tight canyon that the helicopter can barely fit in and they're running out of fuel because of the weight of the jet or of the jeep sorry of the weight of the jet the jeep that they are trying to rescue this uh woman from and that part is all well and good the part leading up to it is horrendous Hmm. uh this woman drives off a cliff Mm-hmm. And we watch it all happen. And it looks stupid. And she falls down this cliff for like 20 minutes. Okay, that's an exaggeration, but yes. It's a very long fall down this cliff for this woman. And she ends up vertical in this canyon. And she's only got like a few cuts and bruises. She hits the back windshield, which she would have fallen through, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And died. And she just kind of hits the back windshield and is like, I'm fine, but I don't feel that great. Yeah, also, I don't know how she ended up back there, because I'm pretty sure she was seatbelted. She was seatbelted. All right. Also, the, her door is removed in the flipping of the car and grows back specifically for the purpose of the rock to rip it off with his bare hands. It's true. So my thing is about this first scene is that maybe it's just because it's the first scene... But if you're going to accept everything about this movie and have just stated that, I don't see why you can't just accept the first scene. Because it's stupid. Okay, but the whole movie is kind of stupid. The whole movie is kind of stupid, but it was way more entertaining than that, too, I felt. Um, Okay. It was just trying to introduce you to to what it's like to be... A fire and rescue person in a it's helicopter true. team. And to be perfectly honest, still not as bad as the opening scene to the Avengers. <laughs> still not as bad. Matter of fact, I enjoyed this movie on the whole better than the Avengers. Okay. I mean, we can agree to disagree because I liked the Avengers, but... I liked the Avengers too. I just didn't think it was as good as this. I, I do think so far um, the summer has been very strong. And mm-hmm. I like that. Like, The Avengers is still a pretty strong movie. Mm-hmm. It's uh, It's got some weak points here and there. More weak points than any of the other films I think we've seen this summer. But it's good. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's certainly worth watching in a theater. Um, and certainly entertaining. And so I think this, this summer is off to a pretty strong start. And, you know, I'm hoping for surprises along the way. Um, I don't think I'll be getting any more this year. Um, but I, you know... Spoilers for the next episode, it's Jurassic World. And uh, just wait for it. We'll see. Just wait for we'll it. We'll see. But <laughs> so, uh, do you have any final thoughts on San Andreas? There's not a lot to talk about with this movie because there's not a lot going on in this movie, and that's fine. No, it's straight. It was a very nice, fresh breath of air from Southland Tales because it was very straightforward. It was very clear. It had one main storyline with a few subplots that were straightforward and it was enjoyable yeah yeah i agree it was an extremely enjoyable time in the movies i i 
was entertained by every second that wasn't the first 10 minutes. There you go. Um, and that's pretty good. Yeah, that's very good. Um, yeah, it's it's a good movie that's worth seeing on a big screen in a good in a good sound system. Go see it in Dolby Atmos if you can. Uh, yeah, it, that was actually a pretty good mix because I, the last couple movies that we've seen in Atmos, including Mad Max, were not mixed very well, which I'm sure you guys have talked about already. Yeah, Mad Max was mixed very poorly for Atmos to the point where I need to see it again just for the dialogue because I didn't understand 90% of the dialogue in that film. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the fault of the sound mixer or the fault of the sound system we watched it on. I mean, I think if you watch it without the Atmos, you'll be able to tell. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I think that does it on San Andreas. Yeah. And South End Tales. Uh, don't watch South End Tales, go watch San Andreas, I think is what we have to say I about agree. that. Just make sure you turn your brain off headed into San Andreas, because if you can't do that, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah, if you don't want to see a disaster movie and you don't like The Rock that much, probably don't go see that movie. Just be smart about what you watch. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And that, yeah, and and yeah, it's cliched because there's not a lot to do with in the confines of the genre of the genre of disaster film, and that's fine. Just yeah. give us likable characters that are going through those cliches, and we'll forgive it. Yeah. Um, it's like if you're in an I don't know. It, it just it re, you did you did talk about that just a second ago, and that it just seems weird when a movie of that caliber is being judged on judged based on movies that are like art films you know yeah i mean not everything's gonna be birdman and that's fine birdman's kind of pretentious and i a little bit hated it i liked it (laughs) but i also a little bit hated it because of how pretentious it was like not every film has to be that not every film is that's not the goal of every film nor should it be the goal of every film yeah. And that's not the goal of this film, and it's fine. Yeah. It's fine for that to be a thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's Southland Tales in San Andreas. Um, I'll be back next week with, as I spoiled earlier, a new guest and a new set of films, including uh, Jurassic World. If you like the show, please email us uh, show at gmail.com. And follow me on Twitter at before and after pod. That's at before the letter N after pod. Like, subscribe, comment on SoundCloud, share us on Facebook. Hoping to be on iTunes very soon. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. And uh, until next time, go watch something.